0: of the last felony, ion dissonance, and cryptopsy, there is this episode and over 450
1: other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So, what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers. Episode number 21 of that one time on tour is brought to you by Your Button Guy. Your Button Guy for all of your one inch button and magnet needs. Check him out on Instagram at Your Button Guy or directly email him at yourbuttonguy@gmail.com. At Your Button Guy prides himself on customer service, quick turnarounds, and top-notch quality. So if you're in the market for some 1-inch buttons or some magnets, make sure to check out Your Button Guy. Hello and welcome to episode number 21 of that one time on tour. As always, I am your host, Chris Swinney. Thank you guys for coming back. Um, last week's episode was really cool with my buddy Jonathan Newby from the band Brazil. And this week is just as cool. I get to sit down with Johnny P. Bucks Bonnell from the Swinging Utters uh, awesome fat records band. I've been listening to the Swinging Utters since I was about 17, 18 years old. You know, now with the internet, you can find things so easily. But back then, you know, you would get these compilation discs from the record labels that you liked, and they had a song from all of their bands, and you would just fall in love with the bands. And that's what happened with me and the Swinging Utters. I've been a fan for a very long time. So getting to chat with Johnny was, was a big thrill for me. And uh, we talk a lot of, about a lot of stuff. I think you guys are really going to enjoy the conversation. Um, before I jump into that, I do want to tell you about Muncie Music Center, one of our sponsors. I work there. I teach guitar, mandolin, banjo, ukulele. If it has strings, I teach it. So uh, make sure if you are local to Muncie, Indiana, you check out Muncie Music Center at 600 South Mulberry Street in downtown Muncie. If you are not local, you can go to munciemusic.com and check that out. They have a recording studio. They're an amazing store, so go support them, and uh, I'll appreciate it if you support them, and they'll appreciate it as well. Also, make sure to check out Rockabilia.com. They came on as a sponsor a while back. They are a wonderful company. They have over 500,000 unique items and all of the items are officially licensed by the bands. So if you need anything at all, go to rockabilia.com and at checkout, put in the promo code P-C-T-O-T-O-T to save 15% on your entire order. Okay, make sure that you are following us on all of the social media platforms, T-O-T-O-T Podcast. If you want to become a sponsor, get in touch, T-O-T-O-T Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to leave us some love, some hate, tell us a story, whatever, call the TOTOT hotline at one 372 8818 So that's it. We're going to jump right into my conversation with Johnny P. Bucks Bonnell from the Swinging Utters. Here we go. Hey, Johnny, what's going on, man?
2: Hi, right, Chris.
1: How's it going? It's going really well. I'm excited to have you on the podcast. I've been a an avid listener of the Swinging Utters since uh, 1998, so it's been a long time. Jesus Christ, must be old. Uh, I'm, uh, I'll be 40 in October, so yeah, I'm getting up there. Uh, I, uh, I got five lessons learned, uh, this, I think, the summer after I graduated high school, maybe. That was my first introduction into you guys, and uh, I've, been a, I've been a fan ever since, so I'm pretty excited to have you on the show. I appreciate your time.
2: Oh, no I appreciate the the interest and uh thank you for the kind words
1: definitely. I wanted to talk a little bit. uh I was talking to my buddy Adam the other day he's a he's a big fan as well, and we were talking about five lessons learned and both of our favorite songs is untitled twenty one so uh that's a great song. I still listen to that all the time, so I'm you know I appreciate the the uh the art <laughs> oh
2: cool man. yeah uh, we play that every so often, so maybe next time I see it, we'll
1: play for it. Oh, that'd be great, man. I really appreciate that. So what I want to, what I want to like to talk to you about, you know, I know there's a new record coming out we're going to get to all of that, but, uh, you know, being out there in California growing up, I'm always interested as to what kind of drives people to get into punk rock. Like when you were young and you were getting into music, what was your first introductory into the genre? Uh, it was probably
2: during high school. And, uh, I had friends that were into the same type of music I was into and we started to go going shows um, in Santa Cruz where I grew up and um, that's pretty much got me into it my brother was the first one that got me into music originally he's my, an, older, an older brother and uh, he was just buying everything that was coming out at the time so I got my first taste of the specials and the Clash and the Sex Pistols as they were coming out in the 70s and uh, he sort of fueled my fire for the um the desire to play punk and to and to follow it and see shows and stuff like
1: that were you were you in a lot of bands before the swinging others? i mean i know i talked to a lot of people and like i was in like 90 bands and then i got signed or some people their first band gets signed like what was your trajectory from getting into punk rock and starting to play in bands like was how did it go about
2: it was our first band, um, Greg, the drummer, and was was looking to start a band. Um, Greg McEntee, the original drummer, and uh, we were friends at the time, so I said I was interested in, in singing, and uh, we, we got Kevin, our bass player, and then Eric, and it was the first incarnation of the Swingin' Utters, and it was first called Johnny P. Bucks and the Swingin' Utters, and uh, what we did was mainly do covers. Uh, Swinging Outers is my first
1: band. So, Swinging Outers was your first band. I guess we can go a little bit further into, you know, what I know from Fat Records. I was in a band called the Ataris, and we did some stuff with Fat Records back in the day. And I know a lot of bands that are on the label. How was it with you guys signing to Fat? Like, did did Mike come after you guys, or did he see you guys play? Like, what was the process for that?
2: Um, Max. Huber, our guitar player, back then, when we got signed, he was the main guy that was sort of uh, talking to Fat Mike and um, becoming friends with a lot of other people within the um, scene and stuff around that time. And so he was sort of instrumental in getting us signed to fat. Um, Mike started showing up at our shows, and he really liked that <clears throat> a lot of our shows got shut down because of fights. Oh, yeah. I don't know. There's something about, yeah. He he just he doesn't like just a regular band that just you know puts on a good show, or whatever. He, he he looks for some kind of interesting flaw or something like that yeah. with the band. And, and we definitely had our fair share of uh, shutdown shows because of fights, and um, and that's just part of what happens. I don't know. It's we're we're kind of unlucky that way, but. Um, that was back back in the nineties. So,
1: was the scene was the scene where you guys were playing back then fairly violent? Kind of like, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of you know Henry Rollins and the Black Flag stuff. I've read all of his books, and he talks about how violent that scene was back in the eighties. How was the scene in the nineties for you guys?
2: Yeah, not nearly as violent as it was back then. That seemed pretty scary back then. This was uh, kind of just like a little. Um, scuffles here and there, okay, in the front row. Yeah, not nothing too severe, but enough to shut down the Gilman show. So, yeah, you know, so that it, it was, it wasn't nearly as violent as back then. That that seemed really scary to me. Hearing stories. <laughs> yeah did you ever
1: get That's Did violent. you ever get like a, a cup of piss poured on you?
2: <laughs> no, no, it's never happened.
1: Yeah, man, I I read those books and I I check all that stuff out and like man I mean I'm a pretty tough guy but if I went to England and all that stuff was happening, I'd probably never go back
2: <laughs> yeah exactly it's it seems a lot um well it, i mean there seemed to be a lot of pushback during you know because it was such a new and ugly thing yeah to like conservative people so yeah there probably was a lot of run-ins with with jocks and stuff like <laughs> that just try to beat the shit out of you just for the way you look
1: oh yeah. So when you guys were playing those shows, Mike was coming out to the shows. Uh, you finally, you know, signed with Fat. How was was that process like? Exciting? Were you guys wanting to kind of, you know, sign to a decent sized label? I mean, I know back then maybe the label wasn't as big as they had gotten later on, but was it an exciting time for the band?
2: Yeah, for sure, because it's like you know, first thing for you. I mean, we were signed to smaller labels before that, um, put out some releases, but yeah, Fat was pretty heavy hitters in the bay area so it was definitely an exciting time and no thanks was um pretty big and huge you now, but uh big back then and you know mike's kind of a celebrity you know yeah him showing up at our shows so yeah it, it was an exciting and and uh super like rememberable time
1: that's awesome so what i'd like to talk to you about then is uh you guys just, I think, last year celebrated your thirtieth anniversary as a band. Um, can you maybe? I know this is probably an open-ended question, but is there is there a secret? I mean, you know, I've been in a bunch of bands. All my friends have been in a bunch of bands. I know you guys have had lineup changes, but thirty years as a band that that's a that's a big milestone. Like, do you have any secrets you can share with my listeners? Uh, I don't
2: know if there's a secret. It's it's more just like. Knowing how lucky you are to be able to be in a band and travel and stuff, and uh, try to have positive attitude when you go out on tour because a complaining on tour doesn't help anything; just makes matters worse. Yeah, and uh, you know, probably escalates into fights because you're in a van for a long time and you're with the same people for a long time. But I think just appreciating the fact that you're you're able to do this as a human, so you got to realize that you're a lucky person.
1: Yeah. And I know you guys are very well liked and respected among your peer group. I mean, I know back in 2010, there was actually like a tribute covers record that like dropkick was on fucked up and a bunch of other bands. So like, how does that feel? I mean, you guys are so respected in the, in the scene. Does that, does that make you feel good?
2: Oh God. Yeah. It's amazing. That's, I was so surprised that uh, my friend Matt, who, who plays guitar and another band, I mean, the drug Lords of the avenues, he's the one that sort of instigated that tribute album. He's all, no one's doing it, man, and there's so many bands out there that like you guys. Let me put this tribute record out. And I was like, hey, it's a tribute record to us. I'm not going to, you know, say no to it. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, go with it. So he, he him and uh, Toby from Red Scare sort of got most of the bands to join in and and yeah it was it's it's i mean it's unbelievable it's truly we're, we're uh incredibly lucky to be in a band that that uh you know has a, even a tribute album i don't even care who's on the tribute album. um it's a tribute album. that's that's amazing to me
1: yeah i mean i just think it's so cool that you guys are so respected and so well liked you know in a genre like you know, punk rock sort of genre, a lot of the times bands get bad reputations or they act a certain way. And I've never heard anything but positive, wonderful, like stuff about you guys. So it's, it's, it's kind of a rare thing to have, especially in this genre. So that's really, really cool, man. I, I love the tribute record. I I think it's great. And I mean, you guys are an amazing band and I think everybody's kind of, you know, taking note of that and everybody knows it. So
2: yeah, oh, man, Chris, I really appreciate that. That's super nice of you to say. Well,
1: and, uh, it's totally true, man. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I don't take it for granted. I, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you.
1: Well, yeah, and I think that that goes back to what you were saying before of like being on the road and knowing how lucky you are. And I mean, there is a lot of hard work that goes into it, but sometimes it's you know, there's a lot of bands that work really hard and they don't get a tour, and they don't get to do all this stuff. So, not taking things for granted, I think, is a really, really good thing to to give out into the world and let bands know because. Today with bands, you know, I'm going to put my album up on iTunes and then, you know, maybe I'll get like, nobody understands. Like, I know you guys slept on floors and and probably didn't eat for days on end. And I mean, back in the day, it was a little bit, a little bit harder to work for what you wanted. You know what I mean?
2: For sure. And then before us too, it it was probably even harder. So Yeah. yeah, just having that empathetic mindset i think is is probably the best way to have longevity in a band
1: well that's awesome man so uh the new record is coming out it's called peace and love it's actually coming out on august 31st correct that's correct yes and it's your ninth full length how does it how does it feel to know that you have nine full length records out that's got to be a good feeling
2: oh for sure um yeah, and I didn't even realize it was nine. I thought it was more. <laughs> I don't really keep track.
1: Well, I think I was doing some research, and I think it's it's the ninth actual full length, but you guys have a lot of other, like, seven inches and EPs and whatnot. But, yeah, I believe it's the ninth full length. I could be wrong, but that's that's my count, so. Yeah,
2: that I'm, sense. I'm probably taking into consideration the EPs and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. So you guys, you guys recorded with Chris Dugan, who, I mean— I mean, the guy's done Green Day. I mean, oh my gosh, he's done Iggy Pop. That's amazing. How how was it working with him? Did you guys enjoy that process?
2: Yeah, Chris is great. He's, um, he sort of gets us. Uh, he's probably the first engineer slash producer that's got us um, and captured us the way we wanted to. Um, not that the, in the past we were disappointed with our recordings, but um, it just seems we're more uh, appreciative of, someone that knows what we're uh, talking about or knows where we're heading or um, just sort of gets what we're trying to uh, tell them what we're trying to sound like. I don't know. It's kind of like a – it's kind of a difficult thing. Chris is really understanding it, and it it sort of helps out in the process, in in the recording process with a man like that.
1: So he probably got like all of your references, like, you know, hey, I want my drums to sound like this or like, because I know that when I've been in the studio before, some of the best times that I've been in the studio, we did this kind of referencing thing where like the, the producer would say, hey, what do you want the drums to sound like? Bring me a CD of a band that you like, you know, mm-hmm. and you'd go through that. So I, it's it always does help if the producer is kind of on the same page as you. And I, I take it. That's how it was with Chris.
2: Yeah, for sure. I I don't think we came in with CDs or uh, music samples of what we wanted to sound like. He just sort of knew. I mean, he's recorded a uh, toy guitar, which is Jack's band, and um he's uh and we we recorded our last record, so he sort of has an idea of what we're looking for in a lot of our songs. And if anything's a little different or wacky, it's easy to explain to him cuz he's, you know, he's been there, done that, you know.
1: I mean, I really enjoy the new record, Vanessa over to fat, you know, shout out to Vanessa. She sent me a advanced copy of the record and, uh, what I really liked about it. And I want to cite two songs in particular, but, and you guys have always, I mean, you guys have always had that swinging outer sound, but you guys have kind of delved into other genres and things kind of get different once in a while. But on this record, a lot of the songs, I mean, they, they're, they're quite different. Like ECT love that song. I think it's kind of. I mean, I'm sure you guys meant for this to kind of be that way, but it reminds me a lot of the Ramones.
2: Yeah, for sure. Derek, uh, Derek Der- was coming for a Ramones song.
1: <laughs> and then, I mean, you know, you go from a song like ECT, then to a song like Seeds of Satisfaction, which is completely different than than ECT. And I, I love that because the record for me, it kind of takes me on a journey. Like, it's not some punk bands when you listen to them you could just play any track and you wouldn't know it from the other track and on this record I really like that there's peaks and valleys and, and could you talk a little bit about the writing process for songs like that?
2: Uh, yeah, a lot of it um, is sort of a conscious effort I guess. Um, I, I wrote a, um, a few of the songs that are quite different than what Swingin' normally play like I did Sleeping and Dubstep and research spider and all those songs I wrote by myself for the first time. So on past records it was usually a collaboration with another band member. The things were just coupled with me in the guitar. And uh I sort of was good fun for something I, you know, that no no uh Swaners fans ever heard before. And um, and then Darius shipped in with a lot of his songs that were you know different for him as well. So it, it sort of it just came that came out that way, and uh, I really like the way it turned out. Though it, it, it is very different, and uh, uh, that's what I appreciate appreciate the most about the recording.
1: Do you, when you guys were like writing this record or any of the other records, do you write a lot of songs, like more songs than you need, and then kind of choose the ones you want for the record, or do you guys just like okay, twelve songs, we're going to write twelve songs? How does that go? We
2: went in with the idea of having um like 16 to 18 songs so you have a full length plus a couple extras for singles or an ep and uh on this uh record me and darius sort of had uh, an abundance of songs so we just come in, came into each practice and um i had i'd do one and then the next practice he would do one until we got to about 17 songs and then uh yeah, but we we were pretty pressed for time. It was like a we only had like a week of practice before we went into the studio.
1: Can you uh, speak a little bit about this upcoming tour that you guys coming out? Like, uh, who are you guys touring with, and uh, what part of the country are you guys going to be hitting?
2: Uh, I think it's with Kevin Seconds, and it's the West Coast, pretty much. It goes inland a little bit, but it's pretty much a uh, Northwest West Coast. Um. Kevin Seconds and Society is the other band. Um, I, I, I'm sort of lost on <laughs> on who's on the tours because there's so many in a row, and um, I know the last gangs on some Canadian dates, um, and that's after uh, this this Northwest co- uh, tour. So um, I, I don't even know what the East Coast. A tour has in mind i don't know who's on it or i mean i know it's getting booked but um a lot of times we we can't figure out who we're going with until the last minute so um, as soon as i find out i guess i'll get posted but
1: um. how is touring for you i know i know we had to reschedule this uh this interview so because you, you said you had to work like how is touring do you uh does everybody in the band kind of have other gigs that they're doing when they're at home like how does that work out
2: yeah, we pretty much all got jobs um, when we come back. We've been lucky enough to have either, um, you know, self-employed or um, working with employees that are cool enough to let us go um, for for a couple weeks out here and there. Um, so yeah, we are we all have to like set aside time and tell our um, tell our bosses that we're checking out for a couple weeks. And uh, But they, they're usually cool with it, and um, we managed to work our way this far with it, so I guess till death.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, what I wanted to talk to you a little bit about is, uh, this is called That One Time on Tour, so we like to get pretty deep into some tour stories. I know you guys did uh, part of the Fat Records Tour like a couple years ago, like the 25th Anniversary Tour, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, did anything crazy happen on that tour? Do you have any like like tidbits or little stories you could maybe share with us?
2: God, man, I don't think anything crazy that it, really nothing happened. It was, I mean, we're older people. It's like, yeah, all the crazy stuff happened back when we were, you know, in our twenties and stuff. I don't, I don't know. It's it's. Not really that exciting backstage <laughs> anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's cool. It's cool to hang out with all the other bands, of course. They're really nice dudes and and, and ladies. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've had good times, but nothing crazy, man. It's just, it's just not crazy anymore. I don't know it's a good thing. It's a good thing. (laughs) Could you
1: tell me maybe something that sticks out in your mind from back in the day when you were touring, when things were a little bit crazier that maybe would be interesting, like, or funny? Like I had so many crazy stories and I know you probably do as well. I just like to hear about kind of what the whole vibe was like back in the day when you guys first started touring.
2: Drunken mess when we first started, because I mean, that's all we do is drink and uh, I've done some pretty nasty things. Back in the day, but apologize for it. But, um, yeah. Um, I don't know, man, the, the, there was a time when we went out and this one guy, we were staying at this one guy's house and we were drinking over at his place. And, uh, he, for some reason it, he didn't like me that much, but he thought I liked black flag probably cause I looked like Henry Rollins a little bit. <laughs> and, and back then I had a shaved head. So I, I looked even more like him and, uh, he put on black flag. And at the time I was really against black flag. And I, maybe I was just against him, but I ejected his tape immediately and threw it across the room. And he just stared at me for like, I don't know. It must seem like a half hour. I was just like being stared at by this guy, not that far away from me and just feeling super uncomfortable. And, uh, I was wasted, and I tried to get out this window out onto their deck and cut my head on the window, and I was bleeding everywhere. And then I ended up, I mean, this is blackout stage, so this is what I've heard from what the other band members told me what I did. They said I went out into the street and started crying, saying I wanted to go home. I wanted to go home. And I was, like, looking up at the sky, just saying, please take me home. And then Kevin, our bass player, and my... my one of my best friends um took me and took care of me in the back of the pickup truck that we were traveling in and he said i was just violently lashing out every once in a while in my sleep and kicking the 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 uh, edge of the truck bed and and uh one time i i went back to kick something and my leg got caught around kevin's head <laughs> and he he was just like, Johnny, Johnny, stop, stop. I was, I was trying to keep kicking, but it was just like wrapped around his neck almost. And it was just, it was just a mess. I mean, I was, I was uh, in a really bad state on these first tours. I was a crazy alcoholic and I'd black out, you know, every show almost. I mean, we had amazing, amazing shows, but it, it's no fun if you're blacking out and and, you know, just making everyone else miserable around you, so.
1: So did you guys, uh, you guys have traveled overseas, correct? You guys, like, toured the UK or Europe or anywhere like that? Yeah, we've done that a few times. What, what were, how were you guys received over there? Was it, was it pretty good?
2: Well, the first time I we went over there was with Rancid, so, and it was right when they were blowing up, so it was crazy. It was, it was insanity. We thought, like, uh, this is, is it, it, we thought this was the way going to go. Yeah. Like, uh, it, uh, like eventually, Rantz would get even bigger and, bigger and then we'd be, like, satisfied at uh, um like, their stage when they were just getting big. Like, we thought that was amazing because there, there were still club shows, but they were all sold out, and the the fans would go berserk. They'd be lifting the, uh, the gates up and um, uh, it was it was a crazy crazy tour and uh yeah it was right during rancid site um i think outcome the wolves just came out so it was that tour and it was uh, our first time in europe so it went amazing the the fans were were great
1: i you guys actually worked with lars from rancid back in the day correct on one of your own of your records
2: Yeah, he produced um, Streets of San Francisco.
1: How how was it working with him? I mean, I just—I would think that it would be awesome. I mean, I love Ranson as much as I love you guys, but I uh, just—how was it working with him? And are you guys still friends? You guys still like talk all the time, or?
2: Um, No, we don't talk all the time. We're still friends, as far as I know. I, I mean, I got nothing but nice words to say. I mean, it was great. I mean, it's cool to have a producer that sort of uh knows who you are um and is a fan of your band i mean he was an actual fan of the swingers so i think that's kind of important as well um so he made he made the recording process a little bit more fun for me at least i mean the gang vocal parts and a lot of the songs were um really remember such good times a lot of joking around and stuff but um Yeah, I always remember uh, doing the gang vocals with Lars. It was uh, a whole lot of fun.
1: That's awesome, man. Well, what I would like to ask you as well, I talk talk about this quite a bit as well. A big movie that that really touched me was this documentary called The Other F Word, where it's about punk rock musicians that are becoming fathers. And I myself have a a two-and-a-half-year-old son and a 10-month-old daughter and it changed my whole life, man. And I know that, uh, originally when we were trying to set this up with Vanessa, you were taking your daughter to college, I believe. So how has it been for you? You know, I guess it's been a long time since she's going to college, but how did it affect the way that you kind of, you know, tour and do things with music? And, uh, I don't know. I just want to get your thoughts on kind of being a father and being a punk rock musician, because I'm very interested because I'm the same way
2: yeah man uh, I'm super lucky. I have the greatest wife, I and mean, then my wife put up with all my shit through through those blackout stages too so she's a saint and uh, I'm super lucky to still have her and she's you know she's supported me from the beginning, so um there's no way there would be a swing of nose without my wife so um that's one thing i wanted to say right off the bat but also my daughters are are turning out great and um yeah i've learned so much about myself having these daughters and just not not doing the same mistakes as my parents did not that they made tons of mistakes but it's kind of easy when you when you just like dedicate your life to them like every move that i make in, now in life is dedicated to them is Is for them, you know what I mean? It's like anything for them. I want them to be happy, and I don't want to argue with them ever. Um, Of course, arguments happen in life, but um, I just think that it's unnecessary um, when you're raising kids. I just think that they need tons of love, and uh, it's really easy to give your daughters love. It's just the simplest thing, and um, I've just learned that if I go through life, just Making sure that they're happy, alive, successful, um, then I'm I'm happy. So that that's every step that I make is is for them.
1: How how did they feel growing up? Or you you might not even know this, but like with their dad being in, you know, a a, a nice sized punk band, like touring and doing things. Like how did they think it was really cool that dad was like this, you know, quote unquote rock star? How did they feel about that?
2: Yeah, I mean they're not really into the music, so that's that's one thing. So that, um, but but yeah, it's uh, I'm, I don't know if they're proud, but they yeah they they kind of trip out on the, the fact that uh, that I'm in a band and and still you know st- at the age of 51 still still doing it. Yeah. It's kind of funny, but uh, yeah, it's it's. Um, I don't know. They, they don't really trip on it. They, they, they're just pretty much, uh, living their lives. And I don't know, they, they, I, don't, I don't, as far as I know, they, they don't really trip on it that much.
1: That's cool. I think it'd be cool if my dad was in the swinging udders. I'll just give you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, okay. So, uh, like I said, you guys have been a band for, th- you know, 30 years last year. So I guess 31 years this year. Um, I know you guys took a small hiatus there for a while, like a seven, eight year hiatus. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, that, that, that was for pretty much for my daughters. Uh, they were at an age where I was like, I need to be home for them. So no touring. Yeah. Um, we could do, we could do local stuff, but, and keep recording, but, uh, yeah, I need to be around for, for this part of their lives. But so that was mainly my, my decision, I think, uh, out of all the band members, that was, it was me that said that, I think.
1: So you guys, like I said, you've been together for almost, you know, 31 years. You took a small time off, but the band never kind of went away. How long do you see this going? I mean, I mean, I know that's a hard question, but like, can you see yourself? I think you're, well, you're, what are you in your late forties, early fifties right now?
2: Yeah. I'm 51.
1: 51. Okay. So do you see yourself like putting out a new utters record when you're 60? Like, like, I mean, I'd love to see it go on forever, but like, what do you realistically in your mind or do you, have you ever even thought about that?
2: Yeah. I don't really think about that. It's, it's, it's such a small thing. I, I, I don't sweat the small stuff. It's, it's a, uh, you know, I'll just go until I get tired of it. I, I, I just don't tire of it. And you know, there's a lot of blues players that played in their 60s and yeah. 70s. You know, it's music is can go on forever. So it's, it's I don't know what's going to happen when I'm that age, and but I'm just not going to worry about it. I'm just going to. Um, just keep plugging along. You know, there's, there's no way, there's no way to tell what's going to happen in the future. Um, I'm going to try to win a lottery or
1: something. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so I also, you know, I follow you on Instagram and I see all the art that you do. So, uh, could you speak a little bit about that? And does, does it kind of fulfill the same thing that the music does or do you see it as two separate entities or is it one kind of big thing altogether?
2: I think they influence each other, yeah, totally, because I do a lot of the album art, and um, I listen to the music while I'm drawing and stuff um, just to get some ideas. But, yeah, they, they sort of influence each other. It's, uh, it's therapeutic for me, both of them, me again, art. It's time alone, and you can get pretty crazy in your own brain when you're drawing, um, but I, I like to, uh, try to shock people with sort of ordinary looking drawings. I don't know if that's makes any sense, but I, I try to make it. So the perspective is one that you probably would never see before.
1: Okay. So you, uh, as you were mentioning earlier, uh, I don't know if it was on the podcast or when we were talking before I started recording, but, um, you, do the t-shirts you print the t-shirts for the udders do you do you do all the merch for the others
2: i do if i can if it's the canadian tour i think we have to get them printed up there um i think we shipped up but it was too expensive to ship them up so yeah i I try to do all the merch um you know not not all of it if there's i can't do certain things but yeah i that's just part of my job and it's printing strips to me. It's kind of gratifying because you're instantaneously, you're, you, you have art, you know, right there, every swipe. So, and, and I mean, you can get tired of seeing the same image over and over, but I, I, I tend not to, I don't know. There's something, something about it that, um, it's also, it's, it's kind of meditative as well. Cause it's, you get into this sort of a machine state, and you just sort of, I don't know, get the ball rolling, and uh, printing to me is really gratifying for some reason. I know a lot of people, printers, and they don't feel the same way. I know that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> did you did you get the bug for that or kind of learn how to do it? I, I know I, I did a lot of research before I got on the phone with you, and uh, I saw that you'd actually worked at Cinderblock, which I don't know if a lot of my... My listeners know what Cinderblock is, but it was kind of like the merch company. They did all the fat record stuff. They did a lot of other things. So did that influence what you're doing now?
2: Yeah, but even before that, I was printing um, not well, but I was printing. And um, yeah, Cinderblock taught me all the the ins and outs of screen printing. So yeah, I was there for a while, and uh, I almost... Did every position there, you know, all the labor positions. Um, so, yeah, I got to learn a lot and worked with a lot of cool people and, you know, lifelong friends. And, um, yeah, Cinder and Jeffrey from uh, Tilt, uh, they, they were their owners. And, uh, yeah, big shout out to them, man. They, they've they helped me out immensely because they let me go out on tour during that time and then come back and keep working. So.
1: I just remember, I remember when I was younger, uh, and I would, you know, you didn't used to be able to get cool shirts really cheap on the internet. You'd have to like do mail order. And I had, I always had the cinder block like catalog and I'd always know I get that shirt and it's got the little cinder block tag on it that it was going to be a great shirt. So you probably printed some of the shirts that I have. (laughs)
2: Yeah, maybe. I mean, that,
1: that's that very well be true. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, so uh, one last thing that I want to ask you about, and this is just because I love this record and I love this whole series. But Fat Records has done the Live in a Dive series uh, where they put out live records by all their bands. You guys released your Live in a Dive in 2004. How did that go? Was it, you know, like, how was the recording process live? Was it like, just how was it for you guys?
2: It's just like a normal show. They just say that they're recording it. Yeah. And, um, and then you just forget that they're recording it. But as uh, far as I was concerned, I, I forgot all about it. And then and then we had to go back into the studio and, and fix some floods that were kind of, you know, evident that they need to be fixed. Yeah. Um, I, I still don't like that idea, but I think most bands do do or do that to their live records i think they
1: do yeah i there was this uh just so it's listenable there was this band that i played in you might have heard of the band i'm gonna i don't know if i should be talking about this or not but it's pretty funny but there was a band that i played in back when i was like 20 years old called the migraines you ever heard of that uh they were on some label out in california i think one foot records i don't think it exists anymore but uh we did a live record, and uh, when they edited everything and did everything in the studio, they took an audience like crowd noise from a Kiss record <laughs> and put that as the yeah. crowd. It that's was, awesome. Yeah, and I mean, and they didn't make it blatantly like, oh, we're playing an arena. Like they just used the actual kind of white noise, crowd noise, to mixed it in to make it sound like there were people there. But it was pretty funny because I think it was CBGBs, and it was like a Tuesday night with like twenty people there. But on the record, it sounded like there was like a thousand people. <laughs> that's awesome. It was pretty uh, good. That's pretty good. <laughs> so shout out to uh, to Sean, my my buddy from the migraines. He, he'll probably get a kick out of it that I mentioned that on this episode. <laughs> that's good stuff well hey man i just want to tell you this has been uh, a pleasure chatting with you uh I, i love your band i hope you guys never stop the new record is amazing i've been listening to it nonstop in my car every day on my commute to work and uh i just think you're a great guy johnny and i love the fact you came on the show and hopefully maybe in the future i can have you back for a part two man
2: wow right on Chris man it was a pleasure talking to you I appreciate all the nice words
1: man yeah but I'll make sure to you know post the tour dates on our Facebook and everything and and blow you guys up on our side as much as possible but uh everybody needs to go get peace and love out August 31st it's going to be a great it's not going to be a great record it is a great record so uh thank you Johnny so much I appreciate it and have a great tour and uh I'll talk to you soon man thanks thank you Chris take care man bye And there it was, my conversation with Johnny Bottle from the Swinging Utters. A uh, huge shout out to Vanessa at Fat Records for hooking that up. I had a great time talking to Johnny, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure to pick up their new record, "Peace and Love," out. August 31st on Fat Records You can get it on iTunes You can get it anywhere Just make sure that you pick it up It's a great record Uh, Next week on the podcast I have Mr. Stefan Egerton From The Descendants I had a wonderful time I got to go down and hang out with the band When they were playing their uh, show in Indianapolis A couple days ago And uh, the hospitality was wonderful They could not have been more gracious And uh, it was a great time So big ups to The Descendants man. I had a great time with you guys Uh, That is next week, so make sure that you come back for that. I'm not sure. Tuesday, Wednesday, I've been releasing these things on different days, but it's always the week after. I'm not going to wait a couple weeks unless something bad happens. So come back next week for Stefan's episode. Uh, Make sure that you are following us on all of the social media platforms, TOTOT Podcast. If you want to be a sponsor, get in touch. It's TOTOT Podcast at gmail.com. Call the TOTOT hotline, leave me a message. thats three seven two eight eight one eight. So I'm going to leave you with a couple swinging Utter songs. I'm going to leave you with ECT off their new record. And then right after that, I'm going to play Untitled 21, which is one of my favorite songs that they've ever done. So uh, thank you guys so much for the support. It means so much to me that you guys are listening and the show just keeps growing week in and week out. It's just getting bigger and bigger. So please tell a friend, tell a loved one. Let's 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 blow this thing up. Uh, So here it is. I'm going to play ECT by the Swinging Utters. This is off their new record, Peace and Love, out August 31st. And then I'm going to play my favorite song, which is Untitled 21. So we'll see you guys next week. Thanks a lot. This is Chris. I'm out. Yeah. everybody this is chris uh i don't know if you're still listening but uh i was doing some uh, stuff on my computer while i was editing this and there's no way i'm not going to play this other song which is another swingy other song that i really love it's called i follow so uh back to what you were doing check it out here it is i follow see you guys next week with stefan from the descendants thanks